I'm excited to be back in Jeremiah together. I hope you have enjoyed our study so far. Maybe you've even started to read through or listen through the book on your own. I've enjoyed the many conversations and questions that have been coming my way from you, so keep those coming. Uh, Today is our fourth time thinking about Jeremiah. It's the fourth and final part of a kind of long introduction to a very long book, the longest book in the Bible, in fact. Uh, We looked first at Jeremiah and the history of Israel, trying to understand the bigger story of the Bible, the bigger story of Israel, and how Jeremiah's own story fits within that story. Then we looked at Jeremiah and the prophets of Israel, asking questions like, who were the prophets? What did they do? And how did Jeremiah's own ministry as a prophet fit in with the rest of the prophets of Israel? And then last week, we focused on Jeremiah the man. Who was he? What was his life like? And what kind of man was he? And today we're going to do something similar to last week and focus on Jeremiah the message. What does Jeremiah have to say in this really long book, 52 chapters long? What were the main things that he preached about during his 40-year ministry? Okay, perhaps you could think of it this way. If someone asked you, what is that big book of Jeremiah about? What would be an answer you could give them to that? Or if someone asked, you know, what does Jeremiah talk about in all those 52 chapters? What would you say to that? Today, I want to start answering those questions. Okay? So my plan for today, in the second half of today's sermon, we're going to look at Jeremiah. Okay? But in the first half of the sermon, I want us to get ready to look at Jeremiah by looking at another book of the Bible first. The one book that influenced Jeremiah and all the prophets more than any other book. Do you have any idea what that other book might be? Okay, think about it. What do you think is the book in the Old Testament that most influenced Jeremiah and, and I think all of the prophets? What they would preach. And now if you've listened to the Story of Scripture Bible study that is on our website. Or if you can just remember our Old Testament reading from earlier, you will have a good chance of getting this right. The answer is the book of Deuteronomy. And so that's where I want to begin today. I want to turn over to Deuteronomy. Again, that is the fifth book in the Bible. It is also the last book written by Moses. The whole book records Moses's final words, or his last message to the people that he had led for 40 years. Okay, So if you want to know the heart of the message of Moses, all you need to do is read Deuteronomy. Okay? And as I mentioned two weeks ago, Moses is the first great prophet in the Bible, and he becomes the model for all of the prophets after him. So so just think about that, okay? Moses is the model prophet for all the other ones, and Deuteronomy contains the heart of the message that Moses preached, okay? 
So if those two things are true, it, wouldn't, it shouldn't surprise us that the book of Deuteronomy shapes Jeremiah and the rest of the prophets more than any other book in the Bible. Okay, so let me, let me put it this way. If, if someone asks me, what did Jeremiah and the prophets preach? My simplest answer, they preached the book of Deuteronomy. Okay. That's what they preached. Okay. Perhaps you've never heard this before, and so I want to show you this today, and I think this will help you read Jeremiah and all of the prophets. Okay? But first, we have to get familiar with, a, with at least two things in the book of Deuteronomy itself, because maybe we're not that familiar with that book. Okay, so first, I want to see how Moses' message in Deuteronomy focuses on the heart. Okay? So we could look at a lot of text on this in Deuteronomy, but to keep things moving today, I want to point us just to two texts from the book. Okay? I'm going to make this case that the heart of what Moses preached is that God wants the heart. Okay? That was the heart of what he preached. And we'll start in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. So fifth book of the Bible, sixth chapter. Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning in verse 3. Words of Moses. Okay. Old man. It's about to die, actually. Hear, O Israel, or hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, to do the commands, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly, <clears throat> as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you, in a land flowing with milk and honey. Deuteronomy 6.4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God, with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. Now, this is a well-known text, and for good reason. It contains what is often called the Shema, which is just the Hebrew word for hear. Okay? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, with all your might. That text continues to be used by Jewish people all over the world today. You know, maybe they say that every, every morning. Okay. But, but not just that. This is, according to Jesus, the most important command in the whole law. God gave many, many commands through Moses, but the heart of what God has always wanted is obedience and love from the heart. Now, let's go to one more text like this from Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 10. So go over a couple chapters. Deuteronomy chapter 10, beginning in verse 12. Deuteronomy 10, verse 12. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? What would be your answer to that? But to fear the Lord, your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord, your God, with all your heart and with all your soul 
and to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord, which I'm commanding you today for your good. Okay, again, God gave a lot of specific laws about everything through Moses. And as you can see here, all of those laws that God gave his people were for their good. But you can also tell that God was never interested in getting mindless submission or heartless obedience. Where people obeyed the letter of the law but had no love for a God or others. That was never God's intention. The heart of what God wants from his people is obedience and love from the heart. And Moses knew exactly what God wanted. After all, he was God's first great prophet. But if you actually read Deuteronomy, it's a big book, it's very clear that Moses also knew something else about the heart. Moses knew that the people he was talking to had a serious heart defect or a heart problem. We won't take the time to look at these verses today, but Moses knew very well that his people had a deadly heart disease. And so when you read through the book, Moses knows and tells them that their only hope to be able to love God from the heart is to have heart transformation or a heart transplant or, or as he, he says in Deuteronomy, heart circumcision. Moses preached about our desperate need for new hearts. Now, if you've been reading Jeremiah lately, <clears throat> like maybe the last month, you are probably thinking, you know, that sounds really familiar to what he said, really similar. And that's my point. That's what you will find throughout the prophets. Why? It's because the later prophets preach the message of the first great prophet, which is that God wants love and obedience from the heart. But before we go to Jeremiah and see that, there's one more stop we need to make in the book of Deuteronomy. Okay? Where is that? I want to give you a hint here. Okay? Someone says, hey, what did the prophets in the Old Testament preach? My simplest answer, they preached the book of Deuteronomy. If someone then asks, okay, that's a big book, which part of Deuteronomy was really important to them? The answer to that, Deuteronomy chapters 27 to 30. Okay, chapters 27 to 30. So that section is the second thing I want you to see in the book of Deuteronomy. Now I imagine some of us here today might be a little bit familiar with Deuteronomy 27 through 30. At least we all read some of it earlier today, the Old Testament. But others might be thinking, I have no idea what's in those chapters. Okay? Either way, I want to help us to get to know them a bit today. Okay? So go ahead, Deuteronomy chapter 27, and I'm just going to walk through a little bit what's going on. Okay? little context. Right? Remember, Moses, when, when he's writing that book, he's at the very end of his life. He's like 120 years old or something. Okay? And he knows that he is not allowed to go into the promised land. They're like right on the brink of the land, but he's not going to enter. 
because he had rebelled against the Lord. But the people standing in front of him will enter the land right after he dies. He knows that. Okay. So Moses tells them in these chapters that when they go into the land without him, they are supposed to have a very special ceremony when they get in there. Okay. What are they supposed to do? Okay. He tells them six of the 12 tribes are supposed to go over to this mountain and get on that mountain. And then the other six are supposed to get on the nearby mountain. The mountains are Gerizim and Ebal. Okay? And then he tells the Levites, who are like the people who work around the tent or the, ta- uh, the tabernacle, says, you guys are supposed to read or shout out really loud all of these words to all those people on the mountains. Okay? Now what words? These are the words in Deuteronomy 27, starting in verse 15. They're supposed to shout out to the people, Cursed be the man who makes a carved or cast metal image. Or verse 16. Cursed be anyone who dishonors his father or mother. Or just as another example, verse 19. Cursed be anyone who perverts justice due to the sojourner, the fatherless, and and the widow. And they continue on and on like that. And then, after each one is shouted out to all the people, all the people are to say in response, Amen. And then the last verse of chapter 27 summarizes everything. Cursed be anyone who does not confirm the words of this law by doing them. And all the people shall say, Amen. That would be quite the ceremony to be a part of, right? Very sobering, to say the least, okay? Now, that's Deuteronomy 27. Then in the next chapter, which we read from earlier, Moses lays out some blessings and a whole lot of curses. Do you remember reading some of those this morning? Okay. If the people will obey God's voice, what kind of things will happen? They'll be blessed in the city and blessed in the field. They'll have lots of babies. They'll have lots of crops and cattle and sheep. They'll be blessed when they come home, and they'll be blessed when they leave. They'll crush all their enemies, even if they're outnumbered. All in all, they'll be blessed, blessed, blessed. Right? But what if they disobey God's voice? Basically, the exact opposite will happen, right? They'll be cursed when they come home, cursed when they leave. Cursed in the city, cursed in the field. There'll be death and disease, and defeat, and destruction, wherever they turn. And if you keep reading that long, long chapter, Moses says that one day, a brutal nation, whose language you do not know, will come against you, and will rip you out of the land. All in all, they will be cursed, cursed, cursed. Do you know what Jeremiah preaches? He preaches that, okay? And so do basically all of the prophets, okay? Now, there's just one more thing, though, you got to see from chapters 27 to 30. You have to look at chapter 30, Deuteronomy chapter 30. Now, remember, Moses is talking, so that means Israel has not even entered the land yet because he's still alive. But in this chapter, Deuteronomy 30, 
Moses begins to predict what will happen after he dies. This will be, perhaps, his greatest prophecy that he ever makes in Deuteronomy 30. Look at verse 1. He says to the people, And when all these things come upon you, the blessing and the curse. Now just stop right there. Do you see that? By this point, these aren't just warnings anymore about what might happen. Moses is announcing what will happen after he dies. They will go into the land. They will taste the blessings. But Moses also knows that their hearts are desperately sick, and so he knows that one day they will also fall under the curse, the curses that he's laid out in the book. So just think about that. They haven't even entered into that land yet. And Moses is already predicting that one day they will get kicked out of that land. But then Moses makes perhaps his greatest prophecy. He begins to announce what will happen after that. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 4. He says, If your outcasts are in the uttermost parts of heaven, From there, the Lord your God will gather you, and from there he will take you. And the Lord your God will bring you into the land that your fathers possessed, that you may possess it. And he will make you more prosperous and numerous than your fathers. And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul that you may live. Moses predicts that one day, far down the road, after God's fierce judgment has fallen on his people, God will have mercy again. But this mercy will be even greater than the first time they go into the land. Because on that day, God will circumcise the hearts of his people. He'll perform heart surgery so they will actually love him from the heart. Do you know what Jeremiah preaches? He preaches that. And so do basically all of the prophets. So someone asks, what did the prophets preach? I say, they preached Deuteronomy. Say, Which part did they really like to preach? Deuteronomy 27 to 30. Okay? So, so far we looked at Deuteronomy. Heard the message of Moses. Now let's go to Jeremiah. And I just want you to see how much what Moses preached shaped what Jeremiah preached and what he wrote. Okay, so first I want to look again at what Jeremiah says about the heart. So we'll start Jeremiah chapter 4. Jeremiah chapter 4. Jeremiah is right in the middle of the Bible. Chapter 4, verse 3. We'll just look at a couple texts today just to get a feel for what he says. Jeremiah 4, verse 3. For thus says the Lord to the men of Judah in Jerusalem, break up your fallow ground and sow not among thorns. Circumcise yourselves to the Lord. Remove the foreskin of your hearts, O men of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem, lest my wrath go forth like fire and burn with none to quench it. 
So some of that is almost identical to what Moses said in Deuteronomy. Jeremiah knows that what his people need is what Moses knew his people needed. Heart transformation, or what he says here, heart circumcision. And you have to remember, Moses, or Jeremiah <clears throat> is preaching to Jewish men who already have the physical sign of circumcision on their bodies. But he's telling them that is not enough. Your heart has to be changed and in a hurry, lest God's wrath break out like fire. And I love that, that one line, break up your fallow ground. The uh, NLT translates it, plow up the hard ground of your hearts. This is a call to a broken heart over sin, a call to start over. It's not enough to be a part of Israel or some religious group. It's a call to start over, to repent before it's too late. You can look down a few verses later, verse 14, chapter 4, verse 14, for a similar thing, chapter 4, 14. O Jerusalem, wash your heart from evil that you may be saved. How long shall your wicked thoughts lodge within you? Jeremiah saw what Moses saw, that our hearts are stained with sin. You could think, hey, you know, Jesus talks just like that too. And it's Jesus who would say later, from the heart comes all of the evil things, the evil thoughts, the sexual immorality, the theft, the murder, the deceit, the envy, the pride. Jeremiah knew long time before that, that what we need is for our hearts to be washed clean. And by the way, it's that picture that we sang about earlier today in that old hymn. There is a fountain filled with blood. Like that song is an attempt to explain how that washing of the heart happens. There is a fountain filled with blood, and that blood's drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunge beneath that flood, and they can lose all their guilty stains. In other words, it's just the blood of Jesus that can wash away our sins, but that, that would be to get a little bit ahead of ourselves. Okay. I want to stick with Jeremiah a little longer. You can go over to the next chapter, Jeremiah chapter 5. Look at verse 21. He says, Hear this, O foolish and senseless people, who have eyes but see not, who have ears but hear not. Again, I'm sure people really liked his preaching. I mean, I can't really imagine like getting up in front of you and saying something like that. Okay? But this is, this is the way he, he preached. He says, do, verse 22, Do you not fear me, declares, declares the Lord. This is chapter 5, 22. Do you not tremble before me? I place the sand as the boundary for the sea, a perpetual barrier that it cannot pass. Though the waves toss, they cannot prevail. Though they roar, they cannot pass over it. But this people has a stubborn and rebellious heart. From Moses' day to Jeremiah's day, nothing's really changed. Moses was saying the very same thing back in his own day. And I'm not sure if he caught that picture, but, but God is basically saying, even the waves submit to me. I tell the waves, you can go this far and no further. And though they roar, they cannot prevail. But this people is stubborn and will not listen to my voice. And for just one more look at what Jeremiah has to say about the heart. 
Look at Jeremiah chapter 17. Jeremiah chapter 17. And take a look at this picture in chapter 17, verse 1. The sin of Judah is written with a pen of iron, with a point of diamond. It is engraved on the tablet of their heart. Jeremiah knows what God wants from his people. God wants the same thing he's always wanted, love, obedience from the heart. But the problem is that what's written on their heart is sin. He says, with the point of a diamond, it's been engraved on the tablet of their heart. You see, God, and, and this is obviously reminding you of something else that was written on tablets, right? See, God wrote his laws on tablets of stone and gave them to the people. But what if those people already had sin engraved on the tablets of their hearts? What is the problem with the old covenant? It's the heart of the people. That is the problem. And perhaps there's no more memorable way to say this than what Jeremiah says just a few verses later in Jeremiah 17, verse 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? That's just a bit of what Jeremiah has to say about the heart, about God's desire for heart obedience and about our need for heart transformation. And as I hope you've seen, that message from Jeremiah is the message of Moses from the book of Deuteronomy. But what about chapters 27 to 30 of Deuteronomy? How did those four chapters shape Jeremiah? I want to look at Jeremiah chapter 11 for a taste of this. Okay, Jeremiah chapter 11. This is one of Jeremiah's really short sermons. Jeremiah chapter 11, verse 1. It says, the, the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Hear the words of this covenant and speak to the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. You shall say to them, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Cursed be the man who does not hear the words of this covenant that I commanded your fathers when I brought them out of the land of Egypt from the iron furnace. And then you could skip down to verse 8 for the conclusion of his little sermon. Because he had said, God had said, listen to my voice, and this is what the conclusion is. Yet they did not obey or incline their ear, but everyone walked in the stubbornness of his evil heart. Therefore, I brought upon them all the words of this covenant, which I commanded them to do, but they did not. Now, I hope you can see, that's, that's just like Deuteronomy 27. And throughout the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah warns people with the very same warning that Moses was giving 800 years earlier. If you won't obey, God will rip you out of the land. If you won't turn to the Lord and repent, the curses of the covenant will fall on you. And really, that is basically the message of all the prophets 
before they get kicked out of the land. But the thing that stands out about Jeremiah is that he preached before they got kicked out of the land and he preached after they got kicked out of the land. And so in some of the book, he's pleading with the people saying, this is your last chance. Repent or Babylon is coming. But then in other parts of the book, he announces to the people, it's too late. It doesn't matter what you do. Babylon will bring this city and this temple to the ground. So your only hope now is to surrender to Babylon. They'll spare your life if you do that. But in other parts of the book, they've already been ripped out of the land. The temple's already come down. And so Jeremiah basically says, I told you so, in that part of the book. But there's one other part of the book, the best part, right in the middle, from Jeremiah 29 through 33, where Jeremiah preaches the good news that Moses preached in Deuteronomy 30, the message of hope, that one day on the other side of getting kicked out of the land, God would do something new, something better. I want to give us a glimpse of it. There were lots of passages I wanted to read, but I, I just picked three. So first look at Jeremiah 29, Jeremiah 29, verse 10. We will read the verse that is usually on people's like walls if they have a verse about Jeremiah. Jeremiah 29, verse 10, and I think it'll make more sense. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise. And I will bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Okay, second text. These are just good news. Okay. How about this word of promise to a people whose king is in chains in a foreign land? This is Jeremiah chapter 33. Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 14. These passages are all over. Chapters 29 to 33, by the way. 33, 14. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David, and he will execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved, and Jerusalem will dwell securely. And this is the name by which it will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. For thus says the Lord, David shall never lack a man to sit on the throne of the house of Israel. A new and better king is coming. A son of David will rise again to usher in the reign of righteousness. But we still need to ask, what real hope is there if the people's 
hearts are still the same. I mean, all of this sounds really good. I'll bring you back. I'll give you a new and better king. But if sin is still engraved on the tablet of the human heart, what good will any of it do? Will history not just repeat itself? And that's where we come to the center of the book, Jeremiah 31, verse 31. Behold, the 31:31. behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they will all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. Jeremiah proclaims the hope of Moses, but even more clearly. Behold, days are coming when there will be a new and better king and a new and better covenant. There'll be a king who will reign on David's throne forever over a people who actually want him there. And they will want him there on that throne because the sins that had blinded their eyes and that had stained their hearts will have been washed away, never to be remembered again. And where sin used to be engraved on the tablet of the heart, God will engrave his own law. He'll write it there. That's a glimpse of the message of Jeremiah. And I've tried to make a point today that that is basically the message of Moses. But perhaps you've noticed that that sounds really similar to the message of Jesus. Jesus, too, preached repeatedly about the heart. He told us what our hearts are really like. He told us we needed new hearts. That's what he was talking about when he said, even to a religious man like Nicodemus, you must be born again. But Jesus did not just talk about these things. He is the one who made those things possible. Because he died for our sins on the cross, the curse is broken. Our sins can be forgiven now. Because he rose from the dead, he can grant new life now to anyone who wants it. New hearts he will give to anybody who who looks to him. New hearts that will actually want him as their Lord. And when he comes once more, we will, through him, inherit and share 
in all of the blessings that Moses and Jeremiah could only talk about and dream about. So we look from Moses through Jeremiah and we do what they, want, what they wanted us to do. We look from them to Jesus today. Let's pray. Father, would you help us as we continue to wrestle with your word, to read it, to, to soak in Jeremiah. I pray that we'll get to understand our Bibles better, but not just that, we'll get to understand ourselves better. And ultimately, Lord, we want to know Jesus better. And I pray that we will look to him today, finding rest in him, rejoicing that our sins can be washed away through his blood. And we look forward to the day when Jesus comes again Take his seat in in the new Jerusalem so that we might live with him together forever. Give us great hope and endurance while we wait. In Jesus' name, amen.